Right, you got your tea? Got it. Okay. Then let us begin. Okay. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. All three. My name is Chris Atkins, and this is the Secrets of the Dressing Cupboard podcast. A podcast focusing on the lighter side of live entertainment. Today, I have emerged from my own cupboard under the stairs, and I'm currently recording on location in the sleepy northeast village of Horden, in the residence of my good friend and special guest today, Mr. Mark Sylvester. Hello. Please say hello, Mark. Hello. <laughs> Mark is a songwriter, musician, and a vocalist. Sometimes he does all three at once. And uh, of special note is young Mark is a full-time wheelchair user. Before we begin with the questions proper, Mark, I'd like to ask you a little bit about yourself. Fire away. Good. First, where were you born? I was actually born in Fife in Glenrothes in Scotland. Oh, yeah, Scottish. I am. Uh, I, I already knew all this, but, you know, it's, it's for the, your benefit, listener. Well, I've lost my accent. Yes. How long have you lived in Horden? I lived in Horden 30 years now. Uh, moved up from Scotland in the early 70s, but the thing I got to say from living here was a funny accent and a wheelchair. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing like that. Um, <laughs> I should point out me and Mark have been friends for over a decade at this point, and, uh, you know... Um, Right, and how long have you been performing for? I've been performing, really, from a very early age. Uh, my mother was a, a professional singer in bands and stuff in the 50s and the 60s, a long time ago. My grandfather was a pipe major, um, stuff like that. So he was a piano player, taught me a lot of different things about singing. So most of my life, from, I'll say, five-year-old, I sang with my first band, and then basically on and off, and then through trials and tribulations of, like you said, being in the wheelchair and having the accident when I was 11 years old, which is some time ago now. Because I'm not 21 anymore. Oh, you're, you're 51, aren't you? 52, I am. Oh, sorry, 52, yeah. So, thanks very much, though, darling. Let me just adjust my notes here. I've got you Trying as 51. Ah, fi- that'll do. 52, yeah. And a half, was it? 52 <laughs> yeah. and a half? Well, basically, what I've done since I left school, I've worked. I've, I've done my apprenticeship through inspection management and stuff and all that kind of thing. I had businesses, a record shop at one point, different music things. Been into writing and playing for all that time, from busking to being a back vocalist to being a main singer to songwriting, writing smaller parts writing musical parts, um, a lot of good fun playing a lot of different instruments with saxophone, the keyboard, a bit of bass, guitar. But unfortunately, about nearly 12 years now, I had a stroke 12 years ago that I couldn't use all the instruments. I had to give up piano playing and a lot of the sax and stuff with losing full control on my right hand. So when I was working there, I actually was working with a marketing company. I was a director of a company that we started over 12 years and become a director of probably 73 employees when I resigned through the stroke. So I went back into music from rehabilitating myself, you know, learning to write again, to talk again, even sing again at some points with a speech therapist. Getting back into the rhythm of everything. Here I am, so I thought I'd go back into, maybe I think 12 years ago, I thought I'd go back into singing again and try to do some club work, some restaurant work lightly. Just introduce myself slowly. That's obviously where I met yourself. That's about, yeah, that's about when we met, wasn't it? Just yeah, as you yeah. start to, to go Just back on start, the yeah, yeah, get back out, yeah. Excellent stuff indeed. So, um, the introductions are out of the way. We both have cups of tea to slurp noisily. Lovely. So, uh, on with the interview. So, questions. Uh, question one. In your own words, describe your show or shows. Well, the shows, it, it's strange because, obviously, not hinting too much on it, but being in the chair, um, you find doing a lot of homes uh, for older people, singing the older generation songs. They were teenagers in the 50s, so you'd you know, play guitar and singing 50 songs and some 60s stuff, 70s, they enjoy it. So realistically, you have a show for them, and then, of course, a different show for pubs. 
of course, you know yourself as you deal with them yourself. It can be any area from 30 years old to 60 years old. So yet again, hitting them again, which is a different type of show, same sort of thing, but moved on different music, more harsh music-wise. Mm. But again, I do a country show as well, uh, which is quite popular, which I've been doing for about 10 years now. Um, with a different name, of course, Jet Taylor. I've got a lot of success with both and been nominated for different things, but I think we really love is the writing and the playing, from busking to gigging to, to doing all them kind of things, you know. Yeah. In short, the, the, the three, I wouldn't say characters that I am, but I've got a different show for homes, a different show for pubs, a country show, even some clubs, as you do yourself, just a variation. Right. Would you mind uh, telling us a little bit about the busking? What did that involve? Busking. Uh, busking started a long, long time ago, uh, in the 80s, really. <clears throat> and basically, out there, I did actually start at a place near the Metro Centre, which would chase you now. But in them days, you know, there wasn't there wasn't much security. So you could sit outside and I decided I'd go and kind of collect for a sports chair. Mm. And then decided I liked the busking that much. I just kept it up, just from singing a few basic songs with a few chords that I knew then. To more or less going out with a good team. We had a little trio called the Arnells. We went out there and really successfully bust throughout Britain, really, and of course up and down the northeast, Durham, and them kind of places, the city places, Newcastle, Sunderland, Hartlepool, Middlesbrough, that, this whole northeast area. Great fun, great times. I miss it every day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, that can't be particularly easy to busk, especially if you're in the chair. It's awkward because if you just buy yourself, you can't ask somebody to watch your money while they nip to the toilet to go and get a cup of tea, so it can be. And it, myself, I'm not much different to able-bodied people as in toilet requirements. Mm. Any toilet will do me, I'll nip around the back, whatever. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's it's awkward by yourself because you, it's a strange thing. It's psychological when you, you're on your own. You need to go to the toilet a lot more. Oh, yeah. You don't if you never need to for someone there. But busking in pairs is always good because you can take turns and one can go for teas, toilet breaks, but... It's it's doable. I have done it for a lot of years on and off, you know. You don't go to the toilet in pairs, though? Not really, no. No, okay. Try and go on me on that one. Well, you're big enough boy, aren't you? Hold me jacket. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff indeed. Is it pretty lucrative, the, the busking? It can be. It's not so much now because of the new licensing laws, although I've still got a lifetime license for what's called the Nexus, which is pitches on the North East railway system to the metro system, mm. and you have a busking pitch, and you can ring up and get it allocated to you. And you're allowed three hours on each pitch at any of the, the metro subway stations. But it's unfortunate for me, there's basically only one of them I can use, which is the main one in Newcastle, which is the biggest and the most sought after, because the others don't have access where that one does. So sometimes I'll do it. No, I haven't done it for a couple of years now, but I've you know, been fit enough for it to go back out in the cold and sit too long because I lost a kidney as well. And just health reasons said I shouldn't do it. Although I'm going to go back and do it next year, I would think. And it maybe it's not out in different places, you know, and just try it and see if I can get away with Saturday. So it's not so bad. It's the license you can acquire for it and try and apply for it. But if it rains, you've lost it. You can't do it. I have little places that are private that I'm allowed to do without no good permission. So I'll be going back into it next year, definitely next summer. That's fantastic. We'll definitely look out for you. If you do see uh, Mark Sylvester playing on the street, you know, don't push him over anything. Give him some money. <laughs> he's, he's worth it. Trust me. I get a lot of work from it as well. I've picked up a lot of gigs doing busking and stuff over the years, you know. Hopefully I'll go back out and do the same thing. Like you say, there's, I've only really ever met one of the busker in a wheelchair. Uh, he used to carry about a little portable system, do a little old hi-fi, but it was in the 90s, so he yeah. tapes playing and singing away at the back of the tapes. So I like, that's good, mate, carry on. Oh, and then it, yeah, it was just good fun, nice to see him just doing it and going for it, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. Extra income, all extra income's good. No. Well, yeah, the funny thing is, though, I'd rather go a place that's not so lucrative just to do it because the people are great. It's the people when you're busking, the people that you meet. 
celebrities, famous people, other people walk up in the street incognito. I've met some really, really famous people, and I've got funny stories about them and everything. And well, share, come on. Well, one of, one of the best ones was I, I was busking with a friend of mine, Mick Arnell, and uh, Sir John Hall was came up to us, and to me, he was just a guy. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he owned Newcastle. He's a billionaire. He owns a metro centre and everything. I'm glad you explained who. He was because well, yeah, I had the clue. Well, centre as well and everything, you know, Wynyard Hall, everything all belongs to him, Sir John Hall. And obviously I, I was telling him, look, can you get out the way, mate, we're trying to bus. <laughs> and he was stood talking to us and Mick would never let me away with that one. He still tells the tale to this day. You chased John Hall, I didn't know he was. I was saying, can you move out the way, we're trying to get money in a, for bus. <laughs> That's always good fun. Always good for a lap. I've, let, I've met Les McEwen, I've met Lisa Stansfield when I was busking. Different people come up, you just ordinary people in the street, they don't mm. want to really be talk to anyone else they just come up and look at you chubby round all these people will give you money not necessarily any more than anyone else but just thanks appreciate what you're doing because street entertainment that's the oldest profession apart from the prostitution one, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> it's the second one <laughs> you just kind of prostitute yourself for music money yeah, absolutely <laughs> you might make about but do you make more right, enough we'll not get into the logistics of how much you make doing either either in fairness but well uh, i mean to the when i used to, obviously i can get into what i did do i mean the best year i've had is maybe about 14 to 15 grand. That's a lot of money, but I kept the receipt stubs when I swapped them over. But yeah. that was a long time ago, and I was also working as well. Mm. So I didn't need to declare it, you know. So I, basically, that was going out to the specific places through December. Yeah, I'd, I'd, like, the, I'd like to point out Mark Sylvester isn't Mark Sylvester's real name. If, <laughs> if anyone from the Inland Revenues weren't listening. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was working then, so yeah. I had no problem. <laughs> oh, good stuff indeed. Um, would you mind telling us about your band time? Band times, I've been in so many bands uh, over the years. Um, joined, obviously, the Sleeping Chiefs, uh, Let's Get Wentz. I've been into so many, the RNLs and uh, 20 Flight Rock. Uh, I've been well, into so many, but obviously with the bands themselves, it's it's humping and sleeping in vans and up mm. and down and just chaotic. But I wrote a lot of the songs for Sleeping Chiefs were there. Good independent success in the 90s like everybody else these days it was always ages ago when bands were thriving you know but yeah. uh, i enjoyed it we had good fun met some great people and don't want to name drop on that one support a few different people and got a little bit of success with our indie album but again nothing nothing anything really right home but i wish more happened people that always say to me i've seen you in the paper and that's like we've even seen you on the tv what's what's happening i'm like well nothing i just wish i had a story to tell i think they want making some stuff up because it yeah. just felt so boring you know, there's nothing to tell. It's just horrible. I was sleeping in the tent. I got wet right through in the tent and I went home. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll come back to um, a, couple, a bit more about your, your band days later on. Um, we're just still talking about your shows at the moment. Do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about the country show? The country show itself, yeah, Jet Turley Show. It's basically a traditional country show. I stick to a lot more traditional stuff. The old guys, you know, the, the Johnny Cashers and the, the George Jones, mm. the Alan Jackson type stuff, all the stuff, or the Trace Atkins kind of gear. And it's quite enjoyable. I go up and down the country still and do quite a lot of that. Um, it's just not so much a specialist feel, but it's been changing. Obviously, music changes all the time. A lot more dance teachers are teaching now, more modern music, um, which is great. Probably 90% of the people enjoy that, but the places I still do, uh, personal ones that I get invited to, and like a couple of weeks ago down in uh, in Wakefield, the show was sold out. It's a listening venue, mm. and they just like to listen to everything you, you like to do so I can go back to my old roots and sing slower songs if needs be, but in more traditional news and singing styles, which is a dying art now, you know. Fantastic. Well, uh, if we can move on to question two. Uh, are you all right with your tea? You saw it? There we go. Proceed, sir. You, you slam that down. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, how did you end up on the circuit in well, the first place? 
I ended up on the circuit. Um, basically, I had obviously the marketing company we spoke about. The marketing company I left uh, rehabilitated myself that little bit and went back into music. From obviously doing busking and doing different band work, I thought I'll go back into what I know, even though I might not be physically able to do a lot of it. My mind was still. I'm trying to tick it over as much as possible mm. so I could maybe slowly reduce myself and did a couple of homes and I did a couple of cafes a friend of mine had in, in South Sales smaller stuff and then I thought well I had problems trying to get an agent but that's just political that's not a problem but I was going to try and do some clothes but I've got a lot of private buildings where I met yourself mm. and a lot of good friends like yourself and find, friend Colleen Slate and stuff different people were there to help you get your tracks and then I just started more or less See if I could make a little bit of a living. I could never make a living and work four or five nights, but I'd still get the odd one here and there, which is basically enough because it wasn't about the money. It's about rehabilitating myself and the yeah. feel of being in front of live people again. But learning to sing again with backing tracks was the hardest thing because I followed a bass drum up my backside on my own guitar for so many years. When you listen to a backing track, it's like, well, how do I do it? Because I can't do karaoke very well. It's all right, and it's, everybody just thinks you're showing off. Yeah, you're big as or whatever, you know. But I don't like doing them more than I can't. It's, it's the thing I don't really prefer to do because I like to go and watch other people do them. It's really fun, and that's what they're supposed to be. But people do that too serious now, don't they? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, technically, though, mate, yeah, getting back into that and getting back onto the, the circuit itself was a way I thought to myself I could try and rehabilitate myself and try and see if there was any equality I could find there. I found a lot more equality in the bands in the 90s, but I'm jumping in it. The mid mid two thousands, then you know, so I'm into two thousand, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Political correctness has all changed, and people were worried. I think kind of this guy on here because he might need this, he might need that. How is he going to get up a step? There's no toilets, there's no facilities yet. I don't need one. I carry my own portable toilet, which is a bottle, mm. <laughs> and of course steps I can get up and down. Even my dad at seventy six is me kind of roadie. Get me down up any steps if I do a festival through the country circuit. There might be twelve steps. They're not a problem. It's like a pram. The wheelchair balances like a pram, so you can go up or down quite simple. That's, that's basically it. You know, so you just kind of try and fit into a world that exists. I'm not saying I need special treatment or I look at me. It's just a case of I decided if I want to be in that world, I've got to try and fit in that world. So as far as my mind went, the only time I was failing to see was if I come to an obstacle where I needed a hand. I'm not frightened to ask when I need a hand, you know, and people yeah. are all too happy to, to give you one, I think. Well, people have met, certainly. Happy to give you one, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that one as well. <laughs> Um, we'll come back to um, talking about a few of the uh, difficulties in yeah. working with the chair later on, if that's okay. Um, right, so question three. Tell me about your last gig or run of gigs. The last few gigs I've done, a couple of them have been homes, actually. Uh, from that point of view, yesterday I was working, actually do a bit of volunteering for a local charity. Every couple of weeks I go down do an hour for the older people. They have the dinner and have a bit sing-along, sing all the older songs, which is good fun. Previous to that, I was down again in Wakefield. And I was in Sunderland as well. A friend of mine does a, has a pub and every now and again will put me on. So I've, I've done the mixture of a home, a country gig and a pub gig all in, in this week. Fantastic. Well, this week so far. So each one of them, again, a different story at each one, but uh, enjoyable all the same, you know. Absolutely great. Uh, right, question four. Tell me about the best or most notable gig you've ever done. Whew, I think the, the best gig I did that I really, really enjoyed... Um, it wasn't actually me and my own, it was actually with the band. Mm. But of course, you're going back to when bands were thriving, like I said, in the 90s and stuff like that. But we had a a really good gig with a friend of mine again, Mick Arnell, supporting us acoustically, doing a lot of Billy Bragg stuff and all the other kind of stuff, Bob Dylan stuff. And then we were on, I know, John Prescott gave a, gave a speech, uh, which is crazy, but it was part of the Miners Gala. Mm. 
and then we'd done a small gig there but then we went back to the place in Wall's End it's not there the Buddle Arts Centre it's not Wall's End it's near the town it's not that area yeah. it's gone now but then a lot of the people who supported us on the unemployment rally that was part of you know the, the miners sort of gala all met up and they were a bit drunk by then but they all liked your albums and liked your songs they knew the words to them all and one of the nights in particular we'd gone there and done this little thing done a mini gig and then right let's get back to the art centre we're all in there and it was one of the only times when we were packing away we always remember that we were on with a band called The Immortals. We used to gig with them quite a lot. And we would get drunk and watch are them. They, uh, they would get drunk are they and still us. going? I'm not sure if they're still going. No, so they're not still go- the Immortals don't go on anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please Sorry. continue, Mark. Uh, yeah, yourself. but I mean, obviously, like, just good fun because we'd get drunk and watch them and then they'd get drunk and watch us. Usually, they'd, we'd get drunk and watch them but they'd be pie-eyed by the time they were due to come on. Mm. But we just had such a good night. But afterwards, when we were packing away, the guy had recorded the concert. And the concert sounded like it was really professional. I couldn't believe it was all me. I thought, that's a great sound here. It wasn't like the sound I had in my monitors. And that, that always sticks out in my mind, that gig, because the guys loved it. They were diving about and jumping about, hey, singing all your songs, your own songs, self-penned songs, cover versions. A great night, a great feeling. A couple of hundred people just drunk and having a great laugh, really. But listening to myself and listening to the band, I thought, Dave, man, that's really, that was amazing, actually. I think I might still actually have a copy of it. On, on tape, like, of on course. Tape. Not wax cylinder, mean? tape. Not worse than that, tape. <laughs> oh, great BFSS or whatever. <laughs> BSF. Go on, man. Oh, um, yeah, sorry, I've got the Strauss too busy listening to your story. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, okay, so that was the best gig, right? That, could you tell us, and you don't have to name venues or anything, could you tell us about the worst gig you've ever done? <sighs> the worst gig, I've had a few crazy ones, but again, it was a pub, and... Shield area and Durham. I'm not going to say which pub it was, but it's a great time, wasn't it? Well, the guy, no, the guy had, had a pub further down the road. And the first night I set up for him, we started the gig. Eight songs in, bang, these people started fighting roll about. So we had to in cut, Sheldon, are you sure? Cut the gig short, right? So we got a nice new posh pub a couple of miles around the corner. And he said, Look, come and do a gig for me. It's Christmas week. Come and do it. We'll have a great laugh. Do the stuff everybody loves you doing, the stuff that you do. We got up there. 10 minutes in, bang, away, set away again. But somebody actually fell on me. And I was like, oh, you know, can you keep back? In a nice way, I might have been a bit stronger. I might have been better dialogue than that, like, but keep back. And, <laughs> and when I pushed him out the way, some idiots saw and thought he was being funny with me. And st- <laughs> <laughs> give, him a, give him a clout, obviously. And then other people start. And I just, I was like, oh, dear, man, the bloke was just easy money. Just try and get your gear out. And that. So there's the same guy. I've never worked for him again. Think Both, rawhide. Well, I was paid off. <laughs> I was paid off twice. Yeah, uh, but the same guy, you know. Not paid off because you were bad. No, no, but I was paid. I got full pay and I'd, I'd done half a set in both venues, not even a full set in two pubs. I'd like to uh, explain uh, the concept of being paid off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's normally quite a, it's got a bit of a stigma attached to it normally when you're paid off. That's when a venue will give you money to stop singing and go away well the funny thing is when i go with my, my brothers or, or my father when i go to the venue they'll say to him oh are you the singer and he's just saying no he is and they look at me and they go oh so I don't know what to expect mm. but when i used to do because i used to go up and say to people you've never heard me you've just heard that i work let me do your pub i'll guarantee you, if you don't like it don't pay me i wasn't here as an agent so i give everybody a money back guarantee yeah and that's how i got on for a lot a lot of years anybody that's, ever take you up on that yeah and i've never been paid off i've never been not paid and a lot of people took me up. That's the only thing I ever did. That's 
the, the story behind it. I don't talk about it a lot because I feel embarrassed saying that, that I've got to bribe somebody <laughs> with a free gig to pay me. But I've, I've got invited back to so many places through basically just making everyone happy, you know. They are a good act. I mean, if you're not seen Mark, well, you, you're not have seen Mark. In fact, you can't see him now. In fairness, but if, <laughs> Mark is an excellent act. I'm not just saying that because he's my buddy and made yeah, me I like a that come from you, mate. Yeah, and a biscuit good. as well. Um, last yeah. one as well. Was it the last biscuit? No, I had the last one. Oh, you had the last one. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a good singer. He's a bit tight though. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> question number six: If you could meet any musician or group, living or dead, who would you like to hang out with? Well. The group of people that I like and admire the most, the people that inspire me to get into everything, was your traditional sort of like rockabilly rock and roll guys. Um, Eddie Cock and Buddy Holly writing their own stuff and recording their own stuff was unheard of when they did it. Yeah. But to be hanging around them guys, even like young Richie Valens, they all hang about together. And a lot of people don't know that Eddie Cock was pulled off to do the Ed Sullivan show. Glad you finished Not that Not pulled sentence. off that way, mate. No, it took him off <laughs> to do the Ed Sullivan show, so he wasn't on the winter tour. He was booked yeah. to do it. They pulled him off two weeks before. So you never know, because it was the headliners of the two, and he was originally one of the headliners. And they took him off the two, so he could have been dead. He died a year later in a taxi, of course, and chipping him in Bath, hitting the curb, trying to get the catch his flight back to, to New York to actually go and do the final mix of Three Steps to Heaven that he recorded with the crickets as That's a tribute like, to Buddy Holly. Like some kind of Final Destination it's stuff crazy, like that. It's yes. crazy, but them guys to hang about with, because they came to Britain and took everybody by storm, and uh, Joe Brown's still alive and stuff, he talks about it. Johnny Cash talks about coming over and hanging about with them guys. Even Des O'Connor talks about what a great fun he had. He was a young comedian who was on the Buddy Holly tour. And he just they just had such a laugh, such fun-loving people. You've got to remember, though, Chris, Eddie Cochran and Buddy Holly were both 22 when they died. Mm. So, the club, know, it? That's amazing, you know. I'm quite impressed that you name-dropped Des O'Connor there as well. Oh, yeah. So. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> I, miss, I never met Brucey, and I'm good at it because I love Bruce Forsyth as well. Okay. Uh, Not Jimmy Savile, Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> I was going to get a gym fix-up badge, but I was frightened to ask. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to have to cut that out. All right, all right move, moving on. Three <laughs> said. <laughs> question one. No, uh, right. <laughs> moving on. Right, question seven. Uh, don't, don't worry, there's, there's only 12 questions. We're all right, next one. Wait, unless you want to add any more at the end. Oh, uh, question seven. If you were abducted by aliens and the only way... I feel stupid reading this out now. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Question seven. If you were abducted by aliens and the only way you could avoid being painfully probed was to perform your best song, what would that song be and what would be the second choice if they didn't like the first? That's a hard question. I would think it would be something pretty eccentric. I think I would always try and do a Buddy Holly song. I've got to say that. It's mm. what I enjoy doing. I'd probably do Rave On or something. Mm. And if they didn't like that, I would maybe try even La Bamba, Richie Valens song. Yeah. If they weren't happy with that, we'd have to switch to George Michael song or something. <laughs> Just in case they were, you know, they're like feminine men. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I don't want to be farting, don't like Cartman and have a nail probe or anything, you know. No room. Thank you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> question eight. Best versus worst dressing rooms. Could you tell us a little something about the best place we ever had to get changed in versus the worst? The, the best place I ever got changed in was a dressing room, actually, in a kind of localish venue in Teesside. Uh, not to mention it now because it's, it's kind of going with the stigma about it. But anyway, you, you'd go in there and had a decent big toilet, a nice big couch, and 
its own water system, obviously its own toilet and tea and coffee facilities that were always there, you know, there was always coffee there, always tea there. Just one of them that springs to mind with me because it, all it was, a little door straight onto the stage at stave level. So you took your stuff from the back room onto the stage to set up, straight wheeled straight out onto the stage and went back in there for your breaks. So there's no drop down to the stage. And for me, for access, perfect. And that's what sticks in my mind is the best one. And about the worst? The worst one is we all probably know of everybody who's done. Pro Allen's, he's, he's passed away, and I'll bless him, last year. We run a place called the Football Club. We always used to put live nights on. In the 80s, in the 90s, we were putting, me and Dominic Richardson, we were putting live music nights on there. And the only place you could get changed is the cupboard, the store cupboard. And I think you actually talked to me one time when I was getting me, me shirt on in there. And just talking though. I, I wasn't watching you get changed, <laughs> I'd like to point out. But I like even keep my arms in, put the chair in, just fit through the door, I moved everything out the way either side. There was just enough room to stick my hands above my head and get my dad probably to turf the shirt over the top of my head and then I could come out, I had to come out and then tie my shoelaces. That's how tight it was. The smallest, tiniest oh. and they just there's the case, go and get yourself dressed in there. I thought, well, there's nowhere to hang anything. You can relax in there. Oh, Davy me, that was the smallest, tightest, stinkingest, full of old stinking ashtrays when everybody yeah. smoked in the pub and just all thrown in there. Yeah, that, that's the football club in Horden you're it talking was, about. It's yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's gone now. Yeah. Yeah. But I loved I, it though, I must yeah. admit. Even I've gigged there. Well, I loved it. I'd do it tomorrow. It was open. It was a, it was a lovely little gig, mine. I have we to say. We had some yeah. great nights, fantastic nights early yeah. on. and then We've had some recently. good ones in there as well. We had some beauty nights in there doing ordinary nights. We had the country club running in there. The live music venue we were doing there was fantastic. With yeah. Everybody just got drunk and fell out at about two or three in the morning. It was a crazy time back in the 90s. It was great just up until last year. Basically doing the, the country nights down there, you know. Yes, R.I.P. Alan. Yeah, good bloke. Question nine. What's the strangest song you've ever been requested at a gig? Do you know what? There's been a lot, but one sticks in my mind all the time. Again, doing a pub in Durham, and I'm singing away, you're singing the songs, everybody's enjoying it, and I've just finished singing something crazy, like, like the Snake and Al Green song, the Snake and Northern Soul song. Oh. And yeah, I start to sing another song, which is one, two, three, a Len Barry song from the 60s, a bit of a Northern Soul feel. And while I'm singing it, this woman stood shouting, in, while I'm singing, can you do Beyonce? Like, what? Can you do Beyonce? I'm singing a song, I was trying to tell I'm busy. Then we came the musical breaks, well, did, did you do Lady Gaga? And I thought it was actually a joke. Mm. Me, what? Why would I do that? You know, why, I thought, wouldn't, why wouldn't you do Lady well, Gaga? Because I haven't got a high enough voice. And I don't wear the right clothes, you know. And Beyonce, well, I can't shake my underwear about, you know what I mean? I've got the wrong bum for that. <laughs> but weird, though, all the same. Yeah, that's a pretty strange request. <laughs> I told you about my uh, Orinoco flow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Do you like? right. Question 10. The strangest thing ever said to you while on stage or at a venue? <laughs> Apart from being asked to do Beyonce, obviously. Well, you know, it's because again it's not so much the chair but you do get people coming asking you some strange things it's different for mm. me people come up and ask me how did you get up there if you can't walk how have you done this and that's not, it's just really funny what some people actually come up with you've had women coming up saying can i come up and they'll try and kiss you and they're trying to pull you off the stage instead of just stepping onto the stage they come up and kiss you. i loved your show because they still want to pat you on the head yeah they're still that sympathetic so you can be philosophical and some other people sort up there doing it because people always want to cuddle you and mother you and make your jams and give you sweets and stuff. It's, it's funny. I, I appreciate that. I have to see the funny side of that. We were having that conversation earlier about the people shouting in your face, asking you if I can manage it. It's funny. Oh, yeah. I find that really funny. And that's yeah. my sense of humour. I, I, I still make jokes about that. To me, it's right. To us, it's right. 
Chris and I have done gigs together, call <laughs> each other names, and people don't know how to say it. Uh, there's a couple of times I'm sure Chris will tell you about it. Uh, uh, no, tell, tell them the story about the court. That that was that's one of my favourite stories of all time. The court when did the court in together yeah, as a double? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of things we done there, which was eccentric. Chris did a set, then I did a set. Everybody's happy. Even at one time we were doing the acoustic set, we did Ring of Fire. I think it was with the gazoos. That was the gazoos, yeah. And then, like, we were <laughs> shouting at each other in the audience. So, because I was saying, who's that making that noise? Who's that big ginger get there? I was saying, which is horrible. He stood up and went, right, stand up and say that. And everybody just went, <gasps> yeah. And we thought it was really, really, really funny. And there's been a couple of times, you know, I'll shout abuse and I'll shout abuse at Ray. I'll call him tiny because he's larger stat than I am. My <laughs> job only three and a half foot off the floor, so everybody's bigger than me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's an interesting. It's a funny dynamic. Um, good, it was good fun. A lot of people will leap to your defence. Um, they do. They don't realise it's it's like banter between me and me and you. It's no, like no. Um, but the strangest thing, like you're saying, though, the banter we are. But get just briefly getting back to that. What people have said to me while I'm on the stage, somebody actually came up to me and said, "You know, you sing really well for somebody in a wheelchair." I thought, well, "What does that mean?" I never quite worked that one out. It's like, did that just say to you, you sing well, but I see the funny side of that. Yeah. Because growing up, because obviously, as you know, I've got a million dollar smile. Yeah. And I'm, you know, a bit handsome, I would say. Well, my <laughs> mum thinks so. <laughs> but I've had up all right with relationships and had girls, had great fun, been a good laugh. But you know, I used to come to me when I was younger and sort of say, it's a shame that's happening to you, a good looking guy. I'm thinking, why don't you see a good looking guy? And it's yeah. funny to me, I find that quite funny. Personal people come up when they're a bit drinking and say, What happened to you? I'll say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll <laughs> say, How how big's your penis? And I say, well, That's a bit personal. I say, Well, do you want to ask personal questions then? Just talk to me like a normal person. People respect you and they might be a bit drunk, but they still get what you, where you're coming from, yeah. you know. I fit in if you like round an able bodied world. Never let it hold me back. I've done everything in life I wanted to achieve. I've bungee jumped, I've been on telly, I've run a business, been on radio, been abroad, done everything. Most people have not even done yet. Parachute, I've done a lot. Mm. And all that because I thought, face my demons, if I don't, I'll end up not, I'll, you know, I'll not be able to battle through life. So I've just gone on and made it work for me the best I can. That's fantastic. Uh, question 10A. Well, I added this one afterwards. Uh, have you experienced any major problems gigging with the chair? Not that can't be solved. There's things that people actually worry about and it's kind of an obstacle that they put in the way. So you'll get somewhere and they'll say, well, major you makeshift think to get up on the stage you think well i'll just use them stairs on in, yeah. in the dressing room they don't mean it but they just worry so much because they don't want they want everything to go out without a hitch you know yeah. so obviously you will get different things like that the chair itself looks bad it looks a lot difficult when somebody's pulling up but my dad like i see at 76 was quite a strong guy but at the end of the day if you get the balance right it's not a hard thing to go up or down it's like a pram which you all know right being far being far yourselves or if you're not you know it's oh yeah absolutely shove somebody else it's got a center of balance and you can get up and down and of course, people think, well, oh, well if he's going to gig, hey, we'll have no facilities, we've got no toilets, but that's not an issue. But it does happen. They will ask you about the toilets and they'll phone it, you up and say, there's a couple of steps, how are you going to manage it? It's always up. It's well, I mean, things like that. You know? I mean, all, all singers just piss in the sink, don't they? I mean, Most of them yeah. do, yeah, but I can't reach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, not, I'm not a big enough flat to see, do it sitting down, you know. So there's no facilities for you, then they no, need really. lower sinks, basically. Yeah. Well, bottles, isn't it? Yeah. A disabled mobile toilet is a two litre pop bottle. Well, yeah. With a larger neck, you know. <laughs> it's a bit like going camping, isn't it? It is. You make exactly do, so. don't you? You, you just, do make do, and that's you, what you, I've tried to do in this whole singer's world. It's an able-bodied world, really, but mm. I've tried to fit in rather than go with, like, look at me, whatever, whatever people want to do. I don't do the sympathy card because it's not what I want. You know me. People's yep. faces, when I get my chair out to put petal in my car to garage, they just don't understand where you've come from. And when you go to the door, they don't know how you're going to get in the door. They just don't, they're not used to it. 
Yeah. It's not creating awareness. It's just sometimes people have come to me over the years and they've said, do you know, I was somewhere and I thought, Mark wouldn't get up that step. Straight away, they're aware. That's yeah. all I ever want people to realise. I'm not wanting to shout and say, you should be this, you should be that. I agree with everybody's trying the hardest. It's from now on, people have got to do things more for people like me because you never know. I was all right then. I had an accident. It can happen to anybody. Absolutely. But that's when people think about it. They don't think it's ever going to happen to them. So I have had people come up to me, even with a drink, and say, I'd shoot myself if it happened to me because I couldn't live with it. But it's easy to say that when it hasn't. Philosophically, it's yeah. it's the same thing. When you have to do something in life, you just have to deal with it. Dealing with things, I find it a little bit easy if you just get the right frame of mind, you know. So you mm. just got to go for it, mate, and not look for anybody to give you anything special. Just do what everybody else does and try and do the job as good and just be accepted. That's all I ever wanted, you know. Just equality is what I'll be after, you know. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Okay, so question 11. Do you have any really funny stories about work? Some I, I couldn't tell you because they're a little bit over, overly funny. Yeah, uh, risque, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, yeah, there's been a few. Well, well go on, Mark. I'm sure nah, we can fit No, 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 I wouldn't tell it's, you. It's not a podcast for children, you know. No, it's... no, no, it's not a podcast for children, but uh, I've had some dressing room fun. Let's just, just call it that one. That was good fair, fun. Fair enough, that's, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can't, yeah. get it, uh, you can't see Mark person. winking, but Mark is winking. That's right, but I've also... Winking with an eye. Someone follow me into the disabled toilet. Wasn't a man, no. I, Just before you think, you know. I wasn't going to say it. I was <laughs> going to say it, but you know. well, it's, uh, you know, once somebody's had a drink, say I don't drink so much because of the different health. Well, I mean, because you're quite handsome, even though you're in the chair, aren't you? That's the I'm thing. not dancing with you. That's what you're after. <laughs> Wheelchair dancing, maybe <laughs> later, baby. Mm-hmm. But uh, it obviously, it's just happening. There's funny stuff like that, stuff you wouldn't go into. And stranger, the funniest times I've had so many different times, obviously, with the band and with the lads. And yeah, with Andy, I hooked a bottle on the back of his coat and he's walking about wondering what this rattle was. But he's got a bottle on the back of his leather jacket, and he has no <laughs> idea. I've tied it on <laughs> up and down there, you know, Brilliant. different things like that. And one of the gigs we did, the Sleeping Chase, were at there uh, before they pulled the old stadium down at Roker Park, mm. doing us in the, in the guest suite in there, doing a nice night for these kind of like not posh people there, but different people who paid good money to do some kind of event and lord knows why they put us on what a great night but what we're done was sound checked and andy left his guitar plugged in and the bass player stood on the chord afterwards sound checked and knocked the guitar over and bust the top nut on the guitar we just looked at each other we're on in 10 minutes mm. and luckily enough andrew's dad lived maybe 20 minutes away but he could actually get my guitar and get it there within half an hour so we could actually say to people look we'll have to start a little bit early but we'll go over and everybody was happy, so we got away with it. But it wasn't a funny story. It worked out laughable afterwards. Yeah. But that was one of the biggest sweats. And one of the best things, the funniest things I ever did, was we worked a lot with uh, Lindisfarne, with the... Uh, what's his name? I forgot his name. Sorry, guys. That happened to me now and again. I forget names. Brendan Haley. Yeah, you looked um, to me like I was going to yeah, help you there. I, yeah, I was busy with Zinc Buckets <laughs> as well. And Karen McManus, obviously, see her night when we had our album debut night. Mm. But the bass player lent our bass player's bass. It was an old antique thing that he'd get from somewhere. And they finished the show and threw the bass right over behind them on the curtain and bounced off the floor. It was part of their act in their mind, but it was Sean's bass, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, what's happened there, you know. I didn't realise Linda's farm were like the Who. But oh, well, the, I thought they were just the no, folk that band. Was, that was Bessie and the Zinc Box. Oh, so it was just you. crazy then back in, in the you, 90s, yeah, you know. Yeah. But that thing I'll say, Karen McManus, a good friend of both of ours, fantastic singer she's going down the religious route now because she's fine god and stuff which is great she doesn't do a lot of singing now just in the church yeah but she came out just with a stool and sang you know i'll always love you a whitney houston song without any music and just 
tour about 5,000 people up there, you know. She is a beautiful singer, Karen McManus. One of the best ever, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. She's on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. If you look up Karen McManus, uh, big M, little C, big M. Uh, she's on YouTube singing away uh, with um, it's a gospel thing. There's a gospel thing on there. She tells me off for telling people about that because it was done in Italy, and that morning one of her really good friends had died. She'd been spending the day crying, so she said, "I'm all puffed up and I've got no makeup on. I was gutted, but the Lord came into me and I sang the best that I could with the yeah. feeling I was feeling. I, I can't watch it. A lot of the times I still feel it makes me emotional and mm. it makes the hairs on my neck thinking about it now. You know, just that's how beautiful it is. Check that one out. She sings with the choir. And the faces on them, because she hits the notes, just superb. She's pitch perfect. One of them people you, makes you want to pack in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely stuff. Well, uh, that's pretty much it for the uh, the normal questions. Um, there is one bonus question. The wife wanted me to add this, right? All right, nice one. What's your favourite cheese? I'm not a big dairy eater, but if I was going to say a favourite cheese, I like Lederhammer. With the holes in. I think it's because when I was a kid watching Tom and Jerry, I always wanted some of that holy Swiss cheese, but never mm. knew what it really was. In fact, I never knew it was Swiss cheese till I saw someone as there. But yeah, Lederhammer, yeah, that's about my favourite cheese. Well, I'm really pleased I asked that question. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much indeed, Mark. Honestly, that's been really, really I've great. I've enjoyed it, mate. I've fun. really enjoyed talking to you. Well, Great. I mean, I enjoy talking to you all the time. This is yeah. weekly, me and Mark get together and we talk about all sorts of malarkey stuff. But well, uh, it's been nice to record it today. Well, it's been nice not to swear, not not to do all the usual things and eat steaks and do all the things that we usually do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or for the vegetarians, we have a tofu now and again. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go <laughs> We'll go with that. That's the official party line. So uh, thank you very much, indeed, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I it's appreciate been... it and uh, good luck with the project. I appreciate what you're doing. I respect what you're doing. And I hear some great people you're going to get in touch with, friends of mine. Yeah. Chrissy with Jim with all these people and I look forward to hearing it. I'm really really pleased to be part of your project, Chris. I really appreciate what you do. Well, I, I think you um people need to hear that they, they want to know more about you. That you think about um you, you see your singers in your clubs and a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, cool. You don't know their story. You don't know what they've gone through or you know, that that they're what they that they go through every day or that sort of thing. And then that they go through stuff and then they get on stage and then they entertain you and they don't realise you know what's going on behind the scenes and sometimes it's quite nice to find out a bit of history you see somebody singing a backing tracks and you dismiss them you don't know who they've sang with well you look at jim clark he's coming onto this show in this series of podcasts and he's got the most amazing stories you'll hear over 60 years he's he's nearly he's eight years old nearly he's still going still making a living but he's got pictures of him he sang with the beatles he was part of the merger beat with his dimensions band his bricks in, in the new cabin that's right he's yeah. sang with the royal officers he's got photos of him and art oh, so many different people when he comes in his story will blow you away and he inspires me and he even says I inspire him that's how good I feel about it mm. he's a friend of yours and a friend of mine Jim's a wonderful man I cannot wait to hear his story I know bits of it and him coming down with a sack full of photographs I'm like you should look after that's you and Paul McCartney you should look after that photograph <laughs> ah it's alright he's not bothered that's Roy Orbison <laughs> there's some amazing everybody you can think of he's sang with and he's worked with and he's just so good he's so cool you can just his talking voice is just exciting Ah, really he, crazy you know? he's quite scouse still isn't he he is but yeah, he's, he's a lovely lovely man I can't wait to hear this series of podcasts with Jim Clark and I'm telling you people if you're listening don't miss that one I think Chrissy's coming on soon she is fantastic I love it a bit it's just I think Jim with him, he's been doing it 60 odd years <laughs> longer than all of us have been born and, and he started you know, really early and he's got a little passage in his book there that tells you the singers and bass players that were available to join bands in, in Liverpool in the mid 50s were Paul McCartney, I think I remember the guy from Billy J. Kramer's band, mm. and Jim Clark. 
he was one of them people and he was part of the Mersey beat itself you know I think oh. um, we'll have to do it we'll make it a three way when we have Jim I think we'll oh, have to have fantastic. you involved as well I fantastic. think I'd like that uh, well, uh, yes. Uh, well, that sort of concludes this episode of uh, Secrets of the Dressing yeah, Cupboard. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been absolutely delightful. Uh, the wonderful Mark Sylvester, ladies and gentlemen. Um, please imagine a massive round of applause as, uh, as, as the, uh, we fade him out of the mic. We've never even walked the cat up. Oh, no. Yeah, we've got <laughs> Jim the cat. Um, <laughs> it's currently like snoozing away just next to my mixing desk. He's great, man. Slept the right way through. It didn't even hey. open his eyes. Hey, well, cats don't care, man. You know, they. <laughs> so, so. Thank you very much indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, take care of yourselves. Oh, I look forward you. to uh, the next one. Uh, hopefully that should be sometime next month. Well, but in the meantime, for myself, Chris Atkins, the beautiful, stunning and wonderfully talented Mark Sylvester. Thanks very much, darling. Uh, take care of yourself and yeah, we'll see speak you guys. to you soon. Bye-bye. See you Bye. It's good when I put it down because it comes through the microphone really loud. It's great. <laughs> Bang. Oh, I, I, I started recording when we started eating the biscuits, so I might put this in as a bit at the end for a blooper. We talked about biscuits. What's this podcast? Is it a biscuit podcast? Well, do you prefer the Viscount yeah. or small, uh, delicious? It's not product placement or anything, but these uh, environmentally friendly tea bags are just wonderful.